is Bridging the Gap with Love, Episode 12, Grief. I'm Heidi Brower, a birth mom. And I'm Jessica Johns, an adoptive mom. And this is a podcast about our own stories and experiences with adoption, while hoping to provide education and support for birth moms, potential birth moms, and anyone with a connection to adoption. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, we're excited to talk about grief. (laughs) Not the most uplifting topic, perhaps, but it's something that we have to talk about when it comes to adoption. And um, when Jared and I were working with LDS Family Services several years ago, one of the things that they talk about, um, since most of the couples, at least in Utah County, that were preparing to adopt were also struggling at the same time with infertility is grief. They talked about the stages of grief, which if you don't have them memorized, are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I think this might have served me for a little while as I was kind of newly learning to um, understand what I was going through. We had just a couple months earlier found out that we wouldn't be able to have children. And so I probably did feel a range of these emotions. But I think it also gave me this illusion that grief was going to be um, neat and orderly in steps and that eventually I would get through it. And once I was done with stage five acceptance, it would be over, moving on to the next joyful part of my life, which for us would be adopting our children. But what's been really surprising is even after we adopted our girls and even after we adopted Bradley, there has still been um, times in my life where I've felt grief and loss and sadness about not being able to carry and bear children, um, which I think is natural. So I thought today it'd be kind of fun and um, important for us to talk about what grief has actually looked like for us, what it has actually felt like. Um, For me, it's been a lot messier and the five stages of grief sometimes we learn about. For sure. I agree with that completely. I think that you, you know, we, you learn these steps and you're like, oh, awesome. I'm done with step number one. Check mark. Now I'm moving on to anger and now I'm done being angry. So now I'm going to bargain, right? So there are these steps, but it doesn't, it's not really that. I think that it's a constant, like it's these feelings over and over and over again, sometimes, and sometimes maybe you might not feel anger anymore, but it's something else that you feel and it just comes and goes. And I think that we're going to, you know, tackle today talking more from, you know, Jessica's standpoint as an adoptive mom with also, you know, with having infertility and then me as a birth mom and the grief that that comes with. There is a third part of this whole thing of the adoption triad, and that is, you know, the adoptee. But I also don't feel like it's really appropriate for us to take on that because neither one of us really knows what that part is and what that feels like. So maybe sometime in the future, we'll have an adoptee on that could could maybe talk openly and honest about that and and the kind of grief that they have felt because there is grief on that side too. It's important to note that grief is universal. It's something that most of us feel at one time or another. However, it is experienced in very personal ways. It's a very, it's a highly individual process. And really that could depend on your race, your religion, your culture, your family dynamic, all of those kind of things. But there's no one right way to process the grief. There's no one recipe for it. There's no steps. It's just, there's ideas that can help, 
and we'll talk about those, but there is no recipe or prescription to like shorten that grief period. So sometimes when you are going through grief, it can manifest in different ways. And I have felt this in my own ways of dealing with grief. And I'm sure Jessica would agree also that these different ways are being shown. And it can be things like anger, sadness, loneliness, uh, the inability to feel numbness. I think that sometimes that's when like you find people that have withdrawn because it's just very like you don't feel anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, physical symptoms can be things like anxiety, lack of energy, the incessant need to keep busy, hypersensitivity, uh, tightness in the chest. Things that you can like think about would be questioning, second guessing, um, trying to do things to like keep your mind preoccupied. You can be confused about like why things happened the way that they are or have happened the way that they did. Uh, your behaviors could be things like crying, sometimes a lot, sometimes just being sad, um, obsessive eating. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just say uh, lack of appetite, insomnia, so not sleeping, and then social withdrawal, just not wanting to do or be around anybody because you're feeling all of those feelings. And I don't know about you, but I have uh, gone through some of those different feelings. I think one of the best quotes that we have found that really encompasses exactly how we feel grief is, is this is a quote by Shelley Ramsey. And she said, grief ebbs and flows like the ocean tide. Some waves rise to engulf us and suck us into the undercurrent. Others cause us to merely lose our footing and throw us off balance. And I have found this when, you know, when I was uh, newly right after having Alex and placing her for adoption, obviously I had a lot of grief. And I think sometimes a lot of people think that grief is really only associated with death, but it's, it's about loss and a loss of someone that you loved deeply. And so I really did feel that grief, uh, I still do comes in ebbs and flows. It comes in and out like those waves. And sometimes it knocks me completely off my feet. And sometimes it uh, is just there and just, you know, I get a little sad sometimes, but others, you know, other times I'm fine. And one example I had right after I had Alex, this is probably a month after I had her. And I feel like I was doing kind of okay. You know, I was okay with my decision. I was working through counseling. Um, I had a job that I had just started. Like I felt like I was doing okay. And I went to a church activity where uh, this woman came and sat at our table and she had two brand new twin girls. And I lost it. At first I was, I was looking at these twin girls and I was like, oh, I should be so happy for her. She looks so happy. Everybody is so happy for her. And they're coming and looking at these babies and they're just loving on them. And I was really trying to hold it together. And I finally had to get up and excuse myself. And I went to the bathroom and I just sobbed and I sobbed. And then I felt guilty that I was sobbing about being sad for this woman. And it had nothing to do with her. It was just, I was so freshly off of just placing my baby for adoption. And those girls seemed about the same age that Alex would have been about only a month or so old. And um, that one definitely knocked me off my feet. And I was not really prepared for that. And I ended up having to leave. It just was not, I was not going to be able to be there. What has that felt like for you, Jess, in your experience with grief? So I remember the year before Jared started medical school, we had moved from Provo. We were both working full time. We were kind of in this new groove and we were kind of enjoying our lives. We didn't have any children yet. And um, 
but we were enjoying our independence, enjoying just being able to do what we want when we wanted to. And I was kind of surprised to feel. Did, did you have a lot of friends that had babies at that time? Is that why you knew of your freedom yeah. and how important that was? <laughs> just kidding. You're right. I mean, we were in a family ward. And so that was actually what was interesting is the second we moved to Kirksville, Missouri, for Jared to start medical school, we were surrounded by a bunch of young families. And out of nowhere, here I was thinking, like, I was doing good. Like, we could wait a few more years. I think we're okay. But we walked into that ward on that first Sunday in Kirksville, and we sat in the back, just the two of us. And I remember just seeing all these young families and quite a few of my, these women would soon become my friends, which is kind of cool to look back on. But there was women that were pregnant, lots of little babies. And I just sat in the back of that chapel, and I could not really contain myself. I just started crying and I'm not sure I was able to stay that Sunday, but I think it's really important to acknowledge for a minute that church can be a really hard place for those struggling with infertility, those that have placed their babies, um, families. It just is like right in your face Mm -hmm. at church on Sunday. And um, we went home that Sunday and I just bawled my eyes out. And it was one of those times where I kind of thought like, I was doing okay, and it just completely overtook me. And it was just one of those huge, like, 12-foot waves that consumed me and for hours. And maybe even a few days after that, I was just so, so sad. Grief can feel like that sometimes. So now, 10 years later down the road, grief feels quite a bit differently. It doesn't feel like a huge, all-consuming wave. Um, Sometimes it just comes into the shore, and I'm able to think through it and just step over it. It's something that I get to experience while also having my three children with me and my husband who has been my partner in this journey. And I'm grateful for that. And truthfully, I don't feel a lot of grief anymore. My home is full. My heart is full. And I am so busy now as a mom raising my three energetic kids. And I feel like my family is complete. Heidi, what does your grief feel like and look like now? So I can't think of a better example other than being on that beach, like just really putting myself on that beach and just having those waves ebb and flow. And sometimes there are little ones that just get my feet wet. And I'm just like, oh, I am noticing that little feeling of loss or sadness or just, but it's manageable, right? It's just thinking like, oh, I would love to know what Alex is doing right now and I'm missing out. Or especially when she was growing up, I would feel a lot of that, like, I'm missing out. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know how she's doing. I don't know what she's doing, right? I would just feel like those times I would just have that little bit, but it wouldn't knock me off my feet. Now, there are times when it's, like, around her birthday, around, um, actually, yeah, any time around her birthday and then day of placement, that feels like the wave. That is, like, sometimes knocks me down. Sometimes when I meet another birth mom, that knocks me off my feet where I am like excited to meet them. But then also then we start talking about our feelings and then it's like, oh, now all that has come back. Right. And you just don't forget. I, you know, I've talked about before how I think about her every single day and it's just these little things of like, wonder what she's doing, wonder how she's doing. And then other times, um, like around those holidays or certain moments or certain things and I get really like... I'm in it. Like my, my heart is sad. So I think uh, people think that, you know, once you've moved on with your life, you've had a family, things are going well, that there isn't room for grief in your life, but there, there still is. It's not, 
you know, taking me down like it would before early on, but it's still with me. And it's not like I've gotten over her. I haven't gotten over the loss. I have taken it now with me. And that's kind of like reconciling like the choice that I made. And even though it was hard, I am able to now kind of take it on as an empowerment. Like this is who I am. Like this, that's the choice I made 20 years ago. I am now a birth mom. In fact, on my Facebook profile or on my Instagram, it's I kind of list all these titles that I have. And birth mom is one of those titles. And that's actually a title that I'm very proud of. And it's not something that I'm ashamed of anymore or um, not that I really was ashamed before. I just feel like, you know, it's one of those processes I had to go through of like, I was an unwed pregnant mother. And, you know, for me now, it's like, yeah, I was an unwed pregnant mother and I made a freaking hard decision. And it was like the best decision for her and for me. And now, you know, my, I have 2020 vision on that, right? Like looking back now, I'm like, oh, it really was. And she's had an amazing life, even though she's had her things that she's gone through. I've had an amazing life, even though I've gone through things that I've had to go through. But I really think that if we can reconcile the losses that we've suffered, that it doesn't mean we've forgotten them. It just means that we've been changed. Like we are a changed person and it doesn't mean that we still don't think about them or we don't. We're not sad that we've lost them. It's just um, we're able to move on and find a place for in our lives that's not all consuming, right? Like I don't have to think about it all the time now. It's just a part of who I am. And it makes me really excited to know what the future is for the relationship that we have that we can build on. And while there's not as much grief now, it's just there's so much room for like love and joy and fun and building and learning and growing together. And that's what makes me really excited I love that so much. I think grief painfully, gradually carves space in your heart for you to feel more love, compassion, and joy, and in turn creates a well for you to draw from to pour into others. That's grief. It's painful, and it's also beautiful. Both sides. Yeah, I, I, it just helps you have so much more compassion and love for others and understanding. And I know that I've been able to turn some of my grief into, like like you said, being able to pour that into others to help them in the stages that they're in, those fresh stages of grief and how painful that can be. But it can also be beautiful once you've been able to look back on it and say, yeah, that was hard, but look at me now. Like, look how strong I am now. And just remembering that there's not one way, there's not a maybe steps. I think that when people try and put it in steps, it's more to help people process it and like what it means and recognize because I just think it's really important that you have your feelings, whatever they are, and they're going to look different for everybody and to be able to process through them. And then those around you, again, just some advice for those who are maybe dealing with people who are having these losses to allow them to feel and not expect them to get over anything because that's never going to happen. Um, but just really try to help them, you know, feel and understand and, you know, grief takes time. Yeah. I also think, like you said earlier, grief isn't just losing someone that already existed. Sometimes the loss can be of the expectations or dreams that you had. And that's true for couples that have struggled with infertility. Yes. So true. So wherever you are on the spectrum of grief, there's no right or wrong place to be. It's just where you are. And in the next episode, we want to talk about, you know, how to process grief and kind of how each of us handled our grief at that time, uh, because it's going to look different for everybody. But there is kind of a 
I know we talked about not having a step by step, but there's kind of a process that can you can go through that can help you navigate grief. And not that it's going to make it go away, but it's just going to help you like know how to make that a part of your life now. So um, join us next time and we will talk more about that process. Thanks again, guys. <laughs>